And now for something completely different. A radio show about books. Didn't think it through at all. Inconceivable! <laughs> yes, the show's serious. That's totally a thing. Thank you. Tarzan of the Apes. Brought to you from out the pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' immortal book. Oh, wow. In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and been widely regarded as a bad move. And now for your host, Daniel Thompson, a completely underqualified buffoon who has no idea why he's here in the first place. And all were amazed and said, this guy is really good. Do you do children's parties? Four days. I've been taking care of a seven-year-old and a four-year-old for four days. And the drama is intense. There's a lot of drama. Little people have lots of drama. Oh my word. It's intense. Wow. Wow. I don't have any of my ducks in the row. My life is like so out of whack right now. I cannot even... Like, I had a person over at my house, and she, like, plugged her phone in, and then I tried to, like, walk her out to her car. And she was like, but my phone's plugged in. And I'm like, what? Like, my mind isn't even working right now properly. It's not good. Welcome to the Very Serious Writing Show, everybody. What's crack-a-lackin'? Today, we are talking about Marvel's Civil War. Captain America, Civil War. We're going to examine some of the story bits, but mostly we're going to complain about how Disney is messing up our childhoods. And the perfect person to do that with is my good friend, Dots. You know him and love him from the good dinosaur analysis that we had a while back. Dots is an excellent human being, and I'm glad that he's here today. So that's what we're going to do. Boom shakalaka. You know, other words I say, to burn time. Oh, there we go. Time's up. There we go. You're here because we want the best, and you're it. Nope, couldn't keep a straight face. So let's pretend that this conversation is just now beginning. Hi, Dots, how are you? Hi, Daniel, how are you? Excellent, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderfully. It is so good to see you for the first time in a long time. I know. It is so lovely. I am enjoying this. We should talk more frequently, or sooner than this conversation, which is happening and starting right now. Yes, we have not been talking for half an hour before this moment. We are productive user users of our time that it is allotted to us every day. Every and, day. And don't take it flippantly. We use all our seconds for productivity and are never wasteful of our time. Yes. Excellent. Be right, like we're running out of time. Yeah. Like we're running out of time. We're like not we're running out of time. We're not running out of time, Dots. We're going to live forever and be immortal and look really bad and wrinkled. But it'll be okay because you have facial hair. Like, you'll get out of this fine. But those of us who really have trouble with that, we're going to look really nasty as immortals. Horribly. Horribly. We're never going to be president now. <laughs> Carp. I wanted to be president, Dots. I'm sorry. Presidents were involved I... in the American Civil War. 
which is vaguely referenced by what we're talking about today. See, they called in radio. I'm... They call that a segue. <laughs> Ah, clever. You're so like <laughs> to your genre. You're I so know. Gosh, you're professional. So professional. Totes my goats. Okay. So I'm really annoyed though now because like if I actually want to research the Civil War, I have to type in American in Google beforehand because literally <laughs> every other Google result when you type in Civil War is now, oh look, there's a picture of Spider-Man. It's <laughs> That's what I wanted to look for. Has anyone started making photo edits of like these people as Civil War generals? Yes. I'm yes. going to go look for these now. That would be good. I was annoyed because, like, in, in the process of listening to Hamilton, which I totally have been quoting in conversation since this has started, um, like, he had descendants that were in the Civil War, and it was really annoying because, like, I was finding pictures of Alexander Hamilton next to, like, Captain America, and, like, I couldn't find actual information. I had to, like, exclusively stay on Wikipedia, which frustrated me. That is frustrating. So, annoying. That, that is one of the worst things that has come with Civil War, the, the, the movie. Did you enjoy the movie? Um, yeah, I, I keep on feeling guilty because I have a reputation of a pessimist. Yeah. One which is dissatisfied with any adaptation of an original work. But Disney has been pumping this stuff out so long. It's kind of like, you know, indoctrination if you're a POW in a camp and, like, you just keep on telling you, like, you, no, you are enjoying this. We did not break any, like, Geneva conventions. You, you enjoyed your time here at this concentration camp. And I'm like, I enjoyed my time here at this concentration camp. So Disney Marvel's got me to the point where it's like I no longer view Marvel movies as a movie. They're just, like, a serial form of entertainment that I have to consume with the rest of my culture. <laughs> There is no choice anymore. I yeah. ma I made the choice not to see Ant-Man in theaters, and I've been punished for that choice so much by by my, uh, by my other culture. I've been ostracized by people from conversations about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I've been told over and over again that I must to go see it, and I, then I didn't. And then when I didn't like it, oh, goodness. I know. It's a shameful thing. So yeah. now we're all stuck watching Marvel movies. Whether we like it or not, we have to consume yes. Marvel entertainment. It's like when Hitler made every like married couple buy a copy of Mein Kampf when he was, you know, yeah. chilling around in Germany. I, I have consumed my Marvel Mein Kampf. <laughs> and I've given up being a Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I'm just like, okay, this is where the culture's going. I don't care anymore. I'm just doing it. That said. I mean, I suppose there's something interesting to be said for a movie that's the the that it's the thirteenth in the series. I guess there's that. Yeah. I mean, how many? Uh, there's no other like cinematic franchise I could think of that's gone on like with this many iterations. Bond. Bond. Beside the James. I don't. That doesn't even like count though. James Bond has like I guess, twenty like, something. There are, but like the scary thing is like Disney's going to pass that up in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to take long. It's and not... the thing is, they're not going to be interconnected. Like James Bond, we have different James Bond. We have like a whole Doctor Who thing going on. What is it with British series that anyway? I don't but know. like Disney, it's all going to be interconnected, and they're going to be like tie-ins, and it's all going to be in the same universe. Yeah, we're not going to have Bond reboots. That's this true. is going to be one continuous story that's going to exist over dozens and dozens of adaptations over a few decades. Yeah, and it's just not going to stop. And honestly, for for what they're doing, I, they've done a pretty good job. I mean, I can't say I didn't enjoy Civil War. Maybe it's because I've been indoctrinated like you. <clears throat> it could be that. I think since I didn't like Ultron or Ant-Man, though, that maybe this is like a half-decent movie. <laughs> I certain, I laughed through it. 
Also, I have a thing with Don Cheadle now. Like, I'm a Don Cheadle fanboy. Cheadle. As of recently, oh. have I shown you? I, have you Sorry. seen? Have you seen my painting? You showed a picture of have me I... as a Chrome Oompa Loompa on my. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, that. But now I've painted a picture of Don Cheadle. I have to post this online for people to see. But this is my painting of Don Cheadle. My God, he <laughs> actually got paint on a canvas. It's of Don Cheadle, and there's blue Don Cheadle. You can see him there. It's Don Cheadle painting Don Cheadle. This Disney is what... has taken over your mind. No, 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 no. This, I, what happened is the last assignment I had in college was an analysis of the movie Crash through an intercultural communication standpoint. And he's one of the main characters in Crash. So I had to do a lot with Don Cheadle. And I was like, I don't like Don Cheadle. And it occurred to me that probably a sentence that has never been uttered by another human being before me was, hey, you want to go see that new Don Cheadle movie that's in? <laughs> I realized that. And it made me laugh. So now Don Cheadle is my favorite. And he's just so awkwardly uncomfortable in everything he's in, including Civil War. He's just so awkward and uncomfortable the entire movie. <laughs> like, he knows he shouldn't be there. <laughs> you, feel, you can feel it in his bones. But, yeah. Well, he can't feel half of them now, after Civil War. <laughs> da 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 Yeah, that was great. They couldn't kill him because they don't have enough black people in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to kill off even one of them, even if it's Don Cheadle. They can't do it. <laughs> but they're slowly adding them, like Phase 2. We got we got Falcon, we got Black Panther now. Black Panther was cool. He was really good. I, I enjoyed his performance. I, I'm, pumped for the, I'm pumped for the Black Panther movie. <laughs> We're going to have Human Torch in the Black Panther movie so everyone can complain again about, you know him being a superhero would be great. which is now the second human torch who has been in one marvel movie and now another after chris evans Woo. isn't that exciting marvel is just messing up <laughs> they're, they're stealing they're... all the fantastic force like whenever there's a new fantastic four movie the human torch <laughs> like, that person somehow. ours now our person now mine how we're how, taking your best member. I know the Civil War arc in the comics was like this huge arc, overarching thing. It was it went everywhere, and I, there's no way they could have adapted that. But for what it was worth, as kind of how, did it compare in any nice fashion? I haven't read Civil War, so I don't know. I'm going to read Civil War after this, but I intentionally did it because so many of the people like here have read it, and it's interesting because I started like taking note of the differences. So everyone that hasn't read Civil War was on Captain America's side, at least in our immediate group. Going into it, everyone that has read the comics was on Captain America's side, and everyone that didn't read the comics, enjoyed the movie, everyone who did was upset by it. Hmm. So I think the, the primary motivation I've heard for people who are dissatisfied with it as a series is just because, you know, Civil War was this drastic, you know, infinitely huge series and you have all these different perspectives and it, it was a huge thing and they condensed it and down into like a two hour movie. Yeah. Which it's just the common movie adaptation complaint that you condense this source material into this level of thing, mm -hmm. which I get. Yeah, and everything else is related around that. Like, uh, have you you seen Daredevil? Yeah, well, the se the first season, I really, I tried season two and I didn't like it, so I stopped. 
Yeah, I just got past the episode four part where we had all those nice macro shots of raindrops and arms, and I was like, what am I watching? <laughs> <laughs> like, what even is this? I mean, it's sexually awkward, but it's also like cinematically awkward. Like, I don't know what this shot, why? Why would, why would you do this to us? Like, yeah, no, I was, it's like, I thought it was going to have the same level of villain work that season one yeah. had, but no. It's really you just ditch that villain, pick up a new villain half like a third of the way through. I'm assuming they're just trying to introduce as many people as possible. Anyway, tangent. Yes. The point about Daredevil was that uh, Ben Urich, who is favorite character from season one, yeah, was supposed to have a big part in Civil War because he provided like the civilian perspective on all of the goings on because we don't really get an outside view of these heroes who mm. kill people. In the in the comic book, the event that started the whole uh, accord was these bunch of superpowered adolescents wanted to make a movie. So they like got a camcorder and they knew where these supervillains were. So they're like, hey, we're gonna like put this on YouTube and everyone's gonna see how awesome we are. But in the event of finding these supervillains, like they caused like this warehouse to explode and they killed all these people. Mm. So these adolescent like teenagers, superpowered teenagers were the source of the government stepping in and saying, okay, you guys have superpowers and you're being stupid with them. We need to step in. The Marvel movie, of course, had that one guy that everyone forgot about from Captain America come in as a supervillain that tried to kill himself and then Scarlet Witch wasn't able to deflect the blast and that killed people. They did the whole so, Man of Steel, you have to you have to pay for your, your damages sort of thing. Yes, I was so excited going into this year because that has been my number one complaint about superhero movies is that there's all these civilians just, just get slaughtered as bystanders in all these fights and no one seems to like know or care about them and then we had two movies from both DC and Marvel that were going to deal with it and then we got the catastrophe that went bad awesome Affleck which I'm happy and then Civil War which kind of addressed it talked about it once and then just went back to Tony's daddy mommy drama for the rest of the movie. I mean, I I thought uh, you know yeah yeah I mean as far as Marvel like villain plots go, this is this is easily up there, which is a little bit more sad than it is happy. But but my favorite Marvel villains so far have been like people without superpowers at all. Yeah, for sure. Like Loki was laughable. Ultron. No. It really felt like Civil War zero point five. Like, <laughs> what even was he? He was setting up Vision for this movie. It was pathetic. Well, why? Why do we need Vision? Why do we need World, that? But like, every superpower villain has just been incredibly stupid, underdeveloped, and like not realized well at all. But I love. I still think my favorite Marvel movie I haven't seen in a while is the first Iron Man. Yeah. And then we had a villain where it was just you know a pseudo uncle figure, and one he was an actually good actor. And then he, you know, that scene when he rips the arc reactor out of Tony's chest and like sitting down with his arm over talking to him, like, this is a really cool villain moment. Like, once he was in the suit, it's kind of stupid, but I thought he would call as a villain. And the Winter Soldier, when we had Robert Redford. Oh, doing Robert his, Redford like, was, is good. It was whatever. great. None of those people had superpowers. This one, like, the villain actually had close ties. I thought this was the best, like, standalone Marvel movie in that, like, everything they set up all tied into each other. Yeah. I didn't feel like they were setting up. Because a lot of other Marvel movies, I feel like they're setting up, like, okay, this is pointless right now, but in another movie, you're going to remember this, and it's going to be cool. Civil War, everything was set up. So that opening scene where, like, that car crashes, they cut back to that scene, like, three times. And, like, Mm -hmm. the villain's connected to that, Iron Man's connected to that, Captain America's connected to it. Like, as far as, like, 
plot structures go, I really like how all these different arcs came together in this movie. Yeah, I felt like they, they whatever they set up, they paid off. And that's something that Marvel hasn't done before. And it's something that when you're when you're writing a series, you definitely want to do. You want to pay off your stuff. If you if the only thing that was left over is like, okay, we're gonna see more of Spider-Man, we're gonna see more of Black Panther. There's gonna be other stories that carry on, but everything that was really kind of brought in was was set up and paid for. And yeah, I yeah. thought I thought that was far better as opposed to Ultron just setting up all the other movies to come. And even like the the setups in these for future stuff worked on their own. Like Black Panther, even if he wasn't getting a movie, it worked completely well in this one. Yeah. You start off, you have the whole conflict starts by people them killing people in his country, him, you know, dealing with his father, then going on a revenge plot, and then he has a character arc. I mean we didn't get to see it very in depth, but you know, he has a full arc. He he works as a character in that story. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was done very well, and it tied in well. It was a great introduction of a character. We had like his own arc in a movie where he wasn't in the universe before, and he yeah. tied in well with all the conflict going on. It was very well put together. Spider-Man, like I knew Spider-Man was in this movie, and that was the thing I was looking forward to most. I still did not realize that this was Spider-Man's introduction, like at least until three minutes into that scene. So like that's just Tony talking to a random person, and then their dorky kid. Oh my gosh, it's Spider-Man! Yeah, and. Even though I'm excited for a Spider-Man movie, the, the Spider-Man thing worked enough on its own. It's just a kid. Just a little minor you character. Know, they have that awesome fight scene between everyone at the airport, and he's doing the dorky Spider-Man stuff and complimenting you know, his opponents. Like, you got a metal arm? That's awesome! <laughs> it was... It's the best Spider-Man adaptation I've ever seen. I, I thought it was so much fun. And yeah, Spider-Man works as just a little minor character in, in the piece. And I thought it was I thought it was so much fun. I enjoyed Spider-Man way more than I thought I would. Because I don't go back... I haven't really read any Spider-Man comics. I haven't really... I, did, I haven't even seen any of the original movies, Dots. Ugh, shameful. I know. But I really enjoyed him. He was one of my favorite parts. Ant-Man was still doing his thing. Like, is it shameful of me to wish that Ant-Man had been played by Michael Pena rather than Michael Pena just been his funky best friend? Can we actually have... A petition to get Michael Pena in the Ant-Man suit. I really want that. You can start it, sure. Michael, Go for Michael it. Michael Pena is the best. He is so he's so wonderful. But he wasn't in this movie, and that's a shame. Yeah, it's the whole you know racial diversity. It would. And and I another thing, I feel like Antonio Banderas deserves his own superhero. Can we get Antonio Banderas a superhero? They they have like so many spinoffs at this point. Sure, why not? Just why not? Go for it. I want Antonio Banderas to be a superhero. I want it very badly. <laughs> I feel like I feel like this should be a thing anyway. But yeah, I thought the villain plotline worked for the film, and I was kind of sort of impressed that it wasn't the cheesy Marvel villain that we've all come to expect. Even if it is passable. He, he's he I think like compared to like all the other movie villains he's still very forgettable but at least he wasn't like aggravating yeah he didn't like they just needed a villain there to inspire the events of the Civil War I think it would have been more interesting if there was just a way to purely just have Tony and kept fighting over ideological reasons mm -hmm. but like he served his purpose well he didn't try to steal the stage I thought he was you know developed well at he was interesting. I was excited because I took German and I understood everything he was saying, so I had a little moment to be nerd happy right there. <laughs> um, yeah, he he served his purpose very well, and I think that's what Marvel 
is like growing into. It's the thing that I hated most about it initially, but they have a minimalistic way of telling stories where they're like, okay, this is a story with like X amount of characters. This person is going to be a, car a cardboard cutout, but they're just here to serve a purpose. We have the maximum impact with that caricature, and then we move on. Yeah. And they just do it very well. Civil War, they were balancing a bunch of different stories, and even though none of them were developed to the point where I would think it's a phenomenal, you know, Oscar-worthy film, they just they were able to tell a bunch of different micro stories that all tie together into a bigger story. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Marvel Disney's doing really, really well right now. Without and that's a feeling... also almost everything I complained about in Force Awakens. <laughs> is, is it is it the same? Or I feel like the Star Wars and Marvel are the same at this point. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They are they are the same. So, Which is why I'm crying in a corner. I know. It'll be okay, Dots. It'll be okay. No, it won't. Yes, it, it will. Do you know how many Star Wars movies are coming out? Too many. So And you know the worst part is, like, I'm so pessimistic about this, but I still bounce up in my seat like a five-year-old in school will never see the Rogue One trailer. So, like, I know this is bad for me, and I'm still excited to see it. <laughs> I know. I know. It'll be okay. We will get through this. No, it won't. We're going to get to Avengers Affinity War, and Thanos is going to be like, oh, I have this gauntlet that thins realities. And then, like, Han Solo's body is just going to flap out of the sky in between the middle of the Avengers. They're going to be like, what? And then they're going to have this, like, tie-over universe. First, it's just going to start with one. minor characters. Like, we're going to have, like, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode where they accidentally get, like, sucked onto Starkiller base or something. And then it's just going to spiral out of control from there. And I'm going to cry myself to sleep as I watch Kylo Ren and, like, Tony Stark have a laser battle. Yeah. That's the world we're coming to, isn't it? Disney owns all. They don't own... I've been looking at box office things. Like, the box office gets succeeded by another Disney movie. It's like, oh, look, Jungle Book's owning the box. Oh, here's Still the War comes along. Every movie that makes money is it's just going to be Disney. I know. Like, so, like, knock down the sign in Hollywood, put a giant silhouette of a mouse head up there. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. What percentage of a plan do you have? You don't get to ask questions. What percentage? I don't know. 12%. I am now going to pitch to you the perfect Marvel Cinematic Universe feature film. The film should focus around the character of Squirrel Girl. If you do not know Squirrel Girl is a character who interacts with squirrels. Squirrel, she has a tail, she wears this fuzzy vest, and her name is Squirrel Girl, and she is known for being one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel Universe. Though she's not ever taken truly seriously, the film should focus around her, and her not exclusively, because there are two other important characters in the story. The first being Howard the Duck, whom we saw briefly in a cameo in the Guardians of the Galaxy end credit sequence. Howard the Duck should be forced to team up with Squirrel Girl. Neither of them should like the equation, but Squirrel Girl is just a happy-go-lucky person. The situation could end up very similar to the situation in Zootopia. Who knows? A buddy cop film. That'd be fun. And the third player in the film should be Throg. Throg is Thor, but a frog. He is turned into a frog by Loki, and he's just, he's Thor but a frog. He has the hammer, he's still got the hammer, he's still wielding the hammer. He's got this adorable little cape, an adorable little helmet, and it's just Thor but a frog. And together, Throg 
Squirrel Girl, and How the Duck Must Go and solve some seemingly insignificant problem that ends up being the beginning of the Infinity Wars or the beginning of nothing. Who knows? I don't really care. All I want is Squirrel Girl, Throg, and How the Duck together on the screen. I would give that all of the money. 12%? That's a fake laugh. It's real! Totally fake. That is the most real, authentic, hysterical laugh of my entire life! We'll, we'll get we'll get through this. Disney can't own everything forever. Like, the rest of their releases besides Road 1, maybe they won't make any money this year. Maybe Owls Through the Looking Glass won't make any money. What world are you living in? The one where people didn't like the first Alice in Wonderland movie. The world where I'm the only one who liked the first Alice in Wonderland movie. Because I'm a Johnny Depp fanboy. I didn't say it's going to be good. I said it's going to make money. I don't think it will make money. I don't think anyone's going to go see it. I honestly don't. People don't haven't been going to like these fantasy-esque kid, kid fantasy films. They haven't been doing it. I don't think they're going to do it. I, don't, I think it's too well, close to Civil War. It's next weekend. I don't think they're going to do it. We shall see. Fingers crossed. Anyway, what, what's kind of... Do you have any takeaway from Civil War in terms of storytelling? I mean, the way it manages all its different micro-plots is interesting. It'd be interesting to, to, like, outline it and see what it looks like on paper. I don't know. I mean, I'm a filmmaker, but I still think the vast majority of my practical writing experience comes from just text writing because it's so much easier to crank out stories. Mm -hmm. So I probably don't have the right mentality going into it but i think disney has really nailed their medium of storytelling so like you said those micro stories what they're able to do with black panther i found really interesting that's probably only what less than 15 minutes of screen time in a two-hour movie yeah it's not a lot disney has found this way to have the maximum emotional impact with the least amount of like setup work and the conversation that we totally didn't have before this podcast of uh, Ender's Game. Mm -hmm. Crazy extents with these like existential crises and he's dealing with all these complex intellectual things and it sets up all this to make us deeply emotionally invested in a character. But like I am deeply emotionally invested in Ender. There are people that are equally emotionally invested in like Black Widow. I have seen nothing on screen that has set up Black Widow to be like this complex, interesting character. But that doesn't stop Disney from having this innate ability to make people care for these horribly underdeveloped people. And so it's really challenging my own, like, presumptions as a storyteller about what creates emotion because they're able to, I, I don't know what they're doing. It's a very Disneyland-esque thing. They have these caricatures. They're, they're able to do it without the development that I previously thought was necessary to make people care about characters. And one thing, I don't know if we had this conversation, but I had this conversation with someone, is the idea that the, these characters exist well-developed in their fandoms. They exist... Maybe the reason people care about them is because the people have to put something in there. They have to come up with things. They have to invest their own intellectual assumptions about the character and develop them themselves. And maybe that's why they're invested? I don't know. Like, I don't get but why... why does it work for Disney no one else? Like, no one's going to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and saying, okay, this is horribly shallow, but I am... I'm putting this part of... I, I think, you know, Donatello is really has daddy it, nobody does that for other movies but for disney movies it seems to be the primary like fan reaction well that that could be 
at the same time, these are also characters that have been developed well in their other mediums. Yes, but how many comic book fans do you know that are ecstatic about the Marvel Cinematic Universe? That's tr- that's true. I, I, at college, there's a lot of them. I don't have a lot. I don't have people like Kyle DeWall coming to me and complaining about <laughs> how messed up the world is because of the MCU. I really don't. The casual even com- like Addison. Yeah. Addison. Even Addison, who loves everything to a fault, yes. to the point where it annoys the crap out of me, is like, okay, well, like I can enjoy Civil War for this, but you know, this is nothing compared to the comic books. Which to Addison is like me screaming about Phantom Menace in comparative emotional terms. So, like, even him, who will compulsively love things or just Marvel in general, like, at this universe, he says, I don't love any of this for the development here. Like, Captain America and Iron Man had a much more, the, the ideology between control and safety was fleshed out to a point that was much more empathetic and believable. So even people that are overly optimistic see Marvel movies and they don't care about the characters in there because of the comic books. They'll complain about it not matching up to the comic books. But I don't think people are going into Marvel movies and saying, I love Captain America because of all the Captain America comics I read. Most of the Captain America fans I know are like girls that are like, oh my gosh, Chris Evans. Maybe but that's... They don't say Chris Evans, they actually think they're Captain maybe, maybe, just, maybe that's just it. It's become so pop culture that it doesn't matter that it's horrible anymore and people are just willing to jump on it. But but at the same time, I I feel like I I like more high-ish brow things, but I really enjoyed Civil War. <laughs> I think I I went into the movie saying to myself though Daniel just sit back, enjoy your popcorn don't 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 mess this up for yourself because I because I mean if you do analyze it it does it does fall to pieces I feel like in certain in certain situations this film less so and I'll love Guardians of the Galaxy forever and ever unabashedly I don't care that its villain is stupid I don't care that its plot stupid I don't care I love that movie yeah. And again, I think this is Disney's strong suit. I go into other movies and I'll analyze it. I'll think, okay, well, this character has potential to be empathetic, but they didn't do X, Y, and Z with them, so it's not working. Disney has tapped into humanity's ability to care for things without examination. I'm mean, realizing this with this presidential election. Like, as the Republican nominees besides Trump has continued to fall, I've had family members that are like, Rubio is our last hope. Ted Cruz is our last hope. They get an insane emotional reaction and attachment to someone they know little about and have done little research on, but they just gravitate towards people. So that's the only comparison I can draw to Marvel. It's uneducated, just immediate emotional attachment. And I don't want to be like an intellectual snob and be like, these people haven't thought out what they're thinking of because we're clearly in the minority. So I think it's us who are looking at this in confusement that are the misled ones. I just don't know what it is that we're missing. I don't know either, and maybe, maybe because they're not developed as well as they are, maybe because a lot of things are left open, maybe that makes them more universally relatable. Maybe, maybe because they're a little bit less descriptive, people are like, and I think the humor also does a lot for them. Like Marvel humor is one of the things I enjoy most about it. Is I know I'll go into this movie and laugh. And in in a world of dirty comedies that I'm not going to enjoy, because I mean I'm not going to go see Neighbors Two. That's not for me. I know I know I'm going to go into a Marvel movie. I'm going to laugh my head off. And that's enough for me as an audience member, because that's that's just me personally though. That has nothing to do with the story. That's just the ability to deliver an experience where I'll I'll laugh, I'll hee haw at it, and it'll be fun, and I'll have a good time. 
I I see Disney movies a lot as as football games almost too. I see mm-hmm. I, I I compare them a lot to that because that's an entertainment form that has no story, but people still become invested in the players and they show up and it's an event and everyone talks about it. I feel like that's what Disney with their Marvel and Star Wars and and to some extent like Jurassic World last year too. Yeah, I feel like that's what it's become. The question is, how does someone else do that? <laughs> how, how did they get there? How, how do you... How, how does... I don't know. This is become... But that's the thing, too, is... I suspect it works just because it's a pop culture phenomenon. If this was a minority thing... Like, if... Ha- Hamilton works... Sorry for bringing up Hamilton. But because it's a phenomenal work of art that is branching out to the point where people who are... Who don't even know what Broadway is or what musicals are, are listening to it. Mm-hmm. Disney is at a point where film isn't a minority art form at all. It mm-hmm. is, it's a cultural expectation that you will see these films. I think that, like you said, it has a drastic impact on how you process it and enjoy it. You know, like football. I never particularly like sports, but I watch a football game every Sunday just because everyone else is doing it. And then I would get to know and care about things like I don't care about Cutler's passing yards anymore because I'm not around people that are watching football. But I, I suspect that's a huge part of it, but, I mean, obviously they had to work themselves up to that point. Yeah. But it, it confuses me. When Disney underdevelops a character, people write comics about backstory that doesn't even exist that they're highly emotionally invested in. In other movies, when characters aren't developed, people just don't care and walk away. They don't care and they walk away. So I don't... Un- I, I agree with you. At the same time, I think it does go back to people growing up with these characters or growing up with iterations of the world like I understand all the comics that come off the new Star Wars characters I get that that makes sense to me the whole Chewbacca seeing flashbacks of young Kylo Ren right before he shoots him and the tears stream down Chewbacca's cheeks I get that because we've grown up with Star Wars and we desperately want this to be good and we're like hey wouldn't this make that scene so much better if we and had because we've had stories of Chewbacca saving Anakin Solo by being crushed by a moon, so it's just a different interpretation of an expanded universe story that Disney then discounted as legends and and then turned into Force. I'm sorry. It'll be okay. We'll get through this. It is not okay. They're not burning the books. It's okay. They're relabeling them. It's the slow death. It's like Christianity. When it's persecuted, if the books, the Bibles are burned, people rally behind it. It becomes a strong religion. If we accept it and just say, okay, no, like this isn't something you do in academia, or this isn't something you do in intellectual stuff, you relabel it, and then it just slowly rots and dies. That's what's happened to the Star Wars Expanded Universe. It's a far worse death than an immediate execution. It is a belittlement. It is irrelevant and forgotten. Okay. Screw you, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything from your childhood that you love that Disney doesn't own that's safe and protected? Lego. Lego. But now whenever I look at a Lego Star Wars kit, the Disney logo's right next to me. <laughs> I'm terrified. Because Disney just canceled like their Disney dimensions or whatever, but Lego... It's... It's... Matter they buy Lego... It's only a matter of time before Disney buys Lego. No, Disney can't buy Lego. Yes. Oh, good heavens, no. It'll still be Lego, but it'll be like, you know, when Disney has all these other companies that they own, but like still keep their marketing, th- their name behind it, and then it's just going to be a subset. Oh, good lord, no. <laughs> please, please, no. 
Okay. Le but yeah, the, the, the Lego movie will be okay. See? There's some part of your childhood that's still there, untainted by the mouse. I have Lego movie. The Lego movie but was how beautiful. long before Disney's like, Hey, I know you made Lego movie and it's awesome. Really sorry that we took the Oscar for that and you weren't even nominated. Ha. Huh. You know what you could get an Oscar for? If instead of Warner Brother Animation Studios, Disney Animation Studios made the Lego movie. And then Lego will be like, well, that makes a lot of sense. And then Disney will I hate you and your vision for the universe. I'm a depressed Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> That's not wrong. That's not wrong. Well, what could, what could, let's, let's be positive for a second. What could Marvel movies do better? What would, what would, what would bring you to the point in one of these movies, starting from where they're at now, with no other, like, going back in the past and fixing things? The next Avengers movie. What do they do to make it a phenomenal movie? Well, I have complaints about it, but on the whole, I just went in and, like, I had a really fun time watching this. If they just do more of the Civil War thing, like, I can't... I would love to see, like, a Christopher Nolan-esque, like, Marvel Universe movie, but I don't think that's what Disney's doing that's working. Like, they're making all the money. There's... Oh, Disney, so I can't in good conscience say this would make it better... What can make it more enjoyable for me? I don't know if they do more like season one Daredevil stuff. They have more character centric things. If they just, I, I really don't know, Daniel. It drives me crazy. But they're doing something that is working beyond my wildest imagination. I don't understand it. I don't know what to tell them to say. Do this and your movies will be better. Okay. Okay. Well, I have a list of complaints. So maybe stay away from super powered villains because they all suck and no one cares. Unless they're like 13 year old girls, in which case the Loki fandom will still not die. It will never die. Never die. Unless they make Loki female. At which point. Here's hoping. Rule 63 it up. <laughs> oh well. Such as it is. But Daredevil Season 1 at least was really cool. It was. Really, really well done. I enjoyed uh, Kingpin. Fisk. It was great. He was a great villain. So there's hope. There's, there is. There's hope, Dots. That's the takeaway. Star Wars Episode Eight could be amazing. That's the takeaway. Regardless, I'm still going to see it like 23 times. I, don't I really know. know. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't really matter, does it? We're going, no. No, matter, no matter how bad any of this, this carp is that they're giving us, we will still go and see it. So the people that complain will see it anyway, so all they have to do is win over all the masses. <sighs> yep. Well, Dots, this has been thoroughly depressing. I appreciate you depressing me. You're welcome. Did you know that this is our 50th episode on the Very Serious Writing Show? Ah, congratulations. Happy anniversary. Thank you. This is a fantastic note <laughs> to, to leave on the 50th. <laughs> Depression. <laughs> Horrible Disney, Disney ruining all the... Disney owns everything. By the way, we just sold this podcast to, uh, to a mass. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So, there we have it. Civil War. It was a thing. It was a thing. A very good thing. 
which we didn't actually talk about much. Instead, just focus more broadly on Disney and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But yeah, you know, cool, cool movie. Yeah, I, you know, I'd, I'd go watch it again if enough people went with me. Yeah, if, if I weren't broke. Yeah, I'd go see it. It's not Star Wars, so I'm not willing to forego eating and sleeping and paying rent to see it. So it, it's not going to be something I'm going to see many more times, but I enjoyed it. Okay. That's a happier note to end on. We'll end on that note. Bravo. Say goodbye to the people dots. Goodbye to the people dots. And if you ever realize that your friend is responsible for killing another friend's parents, just don't tell them and you'll avoid a whole movie worth of conflict. You know, I still can't get out of my head what we were talking about last week with the dialogue not necessarily being accurate, but being like a fake accurate. And I really think it's going to depend on the type of story that you're telling. And maybe maybe this is just me blowing smoke some more. And I know that I like more accurate dialogue because I'm more into the filmy wilmy stuff. I do movie scripts, and I feel like you can't get away with inaccurate dialogue as well in movies. You have room for ums and yeah and interruptions and different parts of speech. Speech has to fit together perfectly, so maybe that's why I'm such a dialogue purist. But I mean, I can understand in a book like Lord of the Rings or in high sci-fi where you might want to take your dialogue in less realistic areas in order to continue developing the world. Like eventually, having what's considered like unrealistic dialogue could be considered realistic for the story world. It could be a part of a world building. And that could be just what you assume the people in your stories are talking like. I don't know. But I think it's an interesting topic, one that should be discussed more. I'm still I'm still unconvinced that slightly unrealistic dialogue is preferable. But we shall see. Because like like I was saying on that guy with the hat.com, like you characters it makes sense to cut the the dialogue about the weather and like the filler dialogue until you realize how much of the characteristics and the personality of the people go into the weather some people will not stand for a conversation about the weather some people cannot stand those or simply can't figure out how to talk about it and some people that's all they can do or that's what they hide behind until they're comfortable with people so i feel like the filler communication is really important in dialogue for character development but this is just all the thoughts that are flowing around in my brain. Thank you all for listening today. I will catch you again next week. SoundCloud, iTunes, you know the drill. Facebook, Twitter, and Goodreads. I actually haven't been on Goodreads in a long time. I need to update that. I've been reading lots of stuff. Ender's, staying. Ender's Game. Still got me by the throat. Dang, I love that stuff. You all have an excellent Monday, and I will catch you again. Ta-ta!